0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no air. This is, this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's a got a runway flip. in the front yard. It
1: would have been really bad. Okay, I was going to say, read, read the first line below. <laughs> I the know. Gang.
0: That's why it's there. Thank you, David. That's why it's there. <laughs> uh, okay, now it seems to be working. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeb,
2: what were you saying? I was saying. I'm reading from the list now. Yeah, I know you uh, are. Yeah. Why, why do some of my old airports have different IDs now? Yeah. Different, so, different identifiers.
0: So here's the background of this story. All right. Um, uh, two things recently happened to me. One, I had occasion to be looking back at my old logbook entries, like way back from my California days. And so I was just kind of reminiscing and re- you know, remembering flights and destinations and airports that I used to visit on a pretty regular basis. Separately, at the same time, um, I was chatting with a California pilot friend, all right, who was telling me about some of the flights that he's been making recently. And he talked about visiting an airport that I used to visit all the time, but he described it with a different ID, all right, a different airport code. And so I looked into it a little bit and I realized that I sort of knew this, but it, but I'd forgotten. I hadn't really looked into it too deeply, and I was looking for more examples. Basically, there's a whole bunch, at least in my experience out in the California area, a handful of airports that have different identifiers now than they had 20 years ago, admittedly. So, and I don't know whether, so I'm just curious, how does this work? Did something globally changed, or do just airports change from time to time? How does that work? Do you guys, either of you guys know?
1: Some of these I do and some of these I don't.
0: Well, I'm not uh, necessarily asking about the particular airports. I guess my main thing was did something change in some, in terms of naming conventions of airports? Did, did you know, did the FAA change their their mechanism in the past 10 20 years, 15 years?
2: Well, not in the last 15. Yeah. But yes, they did change some things. I don't know everything there is to know about it. Um my personal example is Manassas, Virginia. Okay. Um, Manassas Regional Airport. When I started flying out of there in the 70s, um, it was Whiskey 10, W10. It was yep. the identifier. Okay. Okay. And the airport grew over time, um, put in a parallel runway, put in a control tower. And as part of that, they also ended up with weather observing equipment, or at least a, a weather observer, something. Okay. And that's when they changed the identifier to HEF. Don't ask me where HEF came from. But I always um, figured
0: it was a Playboy magazine reference myself. I,
2: I always did too. Like, why are they? Why are they? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's from. Uh, why no, are they no, dealing no. with Hugh Hefner on this? Yeah. Anyway, no. um, the change then. Under the then current FAA policy, or maybe ICAO policy, was that because it had weather reporting, it deserved a um, three-letter identifier, a formal one, not using numbers. Right. With, with a K in front of it. Yep. Um, there are other reasons for changing identifiers, and there are other reasons for changing from uh, uh, an identifier with a number in it to... Um, a three-letter uh, uh, identifier. And there are stations out there that report weather that also have numbers in their identifiers and don't have a K in front. I don't know how it all works. I just know yeah. that that's one of the, the variables.
1: Okay. David, well, you have any thoughts the, on this? Yeah. The, the K designator, that gets put in front of airports that are on the ICAO list. The ICAO recognizes that the FAA has it as part of the national plan for airports. Right. So they wind up with a K. And sometimes the airports themselves ask to have their designator changed. For example, here locally, Colonel James Chabara Airport. I don't even remember what the old identifier was, but when they had the uh, ILS budgeted mm-hmm. to go in, the local congressman uh, who put that earmark in, and he was adamantly opposed to earmarks when he ran. He put the, uh, the earmark in to have the ILS put it at Jabar Airport. They also requested and received a change in identifier to Alpha Alpha Oscar. And since it's on the ICAO list, it's got the K in front of it for internationals. So K designates it as a United States airport.
0: Right and it, oh and by but now let me just ask you though I think it's not United States it's continental United States right, right.
2: yeah the uh, contiguous Honolulu, the, yeah used to be that that Honolulu and Anchorage for example had K identifiers I believe but now they have P identifiers for Pacific
1: now the ones with numbers and letters and such like uh, uh, Dead Cow, uh, uh, if I remember right without looking it up I think it's uh. Kilo seventy-one. Uh, it's it's a Kansas airport designation, uh-huh. and the Kansas Aviation Department uh, works with the airports to put them on and get them charted. So you've got local airports, you've got state airports, then you've got ones that are part of the uh, recognized as part of the international system. They get kilo uh, for the contiguous United States, the lower forty-eight. Uh, the ICAO uh, codes are usually the FAA location identifier prefixed with a K, and the FAA gives it a designator if it's on its uh, NIPIUS list. So uh, how they come up with some of these other number combinations is you'd have to ask the individual states because they're the ones that do that. Right, Jack? Did, that, support- did that clear it up to mud level?
0: Yeah, right. Can't. So <laughs> dead cow... Aka Westport Airport. Am I yep. correct? That's That's West. That's Dead Cow. Um, yep. Is seven one kilo, the, presumably the K standing for Kansas. Because I know a lot of Florida airports uh-huh. end in FA, right, Chip?
2: Uh-huh. And, and or FL. Uh, Amy's oh, really? airport is FL. Uh,
0: okay. You just um, there you go you don't, just don't ask you just, me who, you know you just out it or you just what's the word doxter you just doxing no, Amy me no, yeah, all right okay. well, I'll we, fix can that. That. we can scratch that i'll fix that, that. i'll yeah. fix that um but I, point taken yes um and uh so for example um the one, the example I showed here on the list is sort so an airport I used to land at a lot um, is south of San Jose is called San Martín, actually is how they pronounce it, San Martín, a.k.a. South County Airport, which in my day was uh, was uh, Quebec Niner Niner, right? And maybe that's why they changed it, by the way. That is a little bit of a mouthful, a handful, a mouthful. Um, but now it's Echo 1-6, and this, is the, this was the example that brought this all up when a friend of mine told me that he went out to visit uh, San Martín. Um, Hollister, and this, and this is now where it starts to be a problem for me. All right, here's an example that turns into a problem. All right. Hollister airport also further south from San Jose, but in that sort of Salinas Monterey area down there. Um, Hollister, a very cool airport, by the way, if you've never visited Hollister, you should. Um, Hollister is now a CVH, a Charlie Victor Hotel. I don't know if that makes it a so-called Kilo airport, if you will. Uh, I don't know if it's it, it might, there, though. There would,
2: well, I mean, it's easy to find out. We have this new thing called Google. Yeah. Um, so it should, is yeah. a quick answer.
0: But regardless, so it's now CVH, all right? Um, and I know it wasn't CVH back in the day. I actually went digging through my logbook. I didn't land there as many times as I thought I had. And I could not find in my logbook um, an entry that was clearly Hollister and a, a code that I recognized. In other words, my logbook is, is confusing now. Because I logged my landing, my my uh, you know visit to Hollister with a code that I don't exactly know which one is Hollister now, um, and that's kind of you know I, I don't know I'm a, I'm a real pure so now in a whole different subject the web I'm a real purist about permalinks I think that URLs should be basically forever and that you should uh-huh. never change URLs and that they, because they're 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 a permanent record of information right and by the same token. These identifiers, to the extent that we've been encouraged to use them in our logbooks in this official record, um, and now I'm not 100% sure which ones, because I, I couldn't find a reference of what the old ID for Hollister was. Um, maybe that's the answer. I just need to figure out what the
2: old ID was. And I, I got that beat. Uh, I've How's got uh, flights in my logbook using, A, uh, old, old, old identifiers for airports that don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And trying to figure that out sometimes is a little – that's a head-scratcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and to further complicate things, uh, uh, the ICAO codes that we've been talking about, International Civil Aviation Organization, it's part of uh, uh, the – oh, gee, what's that big building? Thank you. (laughs) It's like brain fart. Uh, There's also an IATA list, International Mm -hmm. Air Transport Association, and they have their own designators. Mm -hmm. So – I was talking about Jabara Airport here in Wichita. It requested and received a new designator from the FAA, which is Alpha Alpha Oscar, when it got its ILS, because it wanted to be moved up on the list yeah. on uh, yep. databases and sure. uh, navigation systems and on the list of charts. and Yeah, uh, and every, every time come. I
2: punch in Atlanta or Augusta or something like that, it comes up first and it annoys me. Let's go yeah. that way. Yeah. So,
1: But then you've got the International Air Transport Association, which has its own list of codes. So, Jabara, which is now Alpha Alpha Oscar, is by the FAA designation, but it has no IATA designation. And that's probably because it has no airline service. Yeah. Well, yeah, to, I, there you go. That's probably what it is, uh, sure. Although it did get a very, very big 747 in there one day by accident, or one <laughs> night by accident. But that didn't turn out to be a regular thing, fortunately.
0: That's right. I I remember that story, yeah. Um, My last rant on the subject of airport IDs um, is regarding these um, smaller airports that have a three character ID. Um, And uh, in my area, uh, in Northampton, um, is 7 Bravo 3. And
2: uh, they don't have a
0: what? They, Some I'm have sorry. four character. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's a three character ID. But here's my rant about these kinds, all right? And that is that occasionally these three character IDs that are not the IKOs, these three character IDs um, have what is either a zero or an O, an Oscar in them, uh-huh. all right? Uh-huh. And I, it's always a little bit confusing to me, which is, you know, you're looking at the, the, the listing, you know, in the AFD or wherever it is, you're looking at it and you're going, well, is that an, is that a zero or is that an O I don't, you know, and, I've, and I, and I, for a while I wanted to believe that, that, that they were smart and they only used either zeros or O's. Um, but that's not the case. Um, now I've looked around and I've seen IDs that some that are clear, you know, when I dug into it, it was clearly a zero and then others was clearly an O and, uh. Do you guys know anything about this, or is that just confusing?
2: I mean, I've seen that before, and it's a, again a head scratcher. Um, I haven't seen it lately. I think yeah. I think maybe someone got smart. But if you're telling me there's all there's still an airport out there with a a um, a zero or an O in its uh, well numbered, yeah. um, non K beginning yada 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 three letter identifier. That's really weird
0: yeah i I don't have an example in front of me i'll do some digging because i'm pretty sure i recently saw an example of each um and uh, well
2: going back i mean to to the manassas example whiskey 10 you know if you didn't know for sure that's supposed to be a number you would think it would be whiskey one zero or something
0: yeah that's my yeah exactly yeah Yeah. but you know those um, well, it, it, I'm it not sure be. though
2: there's very many of those left. Let's put it that way. I, I would maybe they are changing. <laughs> it you know, I'm David. sure. I'm sure someone will say, "Hey, well, wait a second. There's you know, and and I'm sure there will be. Uh, yeah. Generally, those are going to be. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to make. it. I don't know what you know. That's the. Yeah, way I I'm not going to say
1: anything else. Yeah. You know, about, yeah. Well, it, this this, I, FAA slash Iko slash IATA uh, listing it can be really confusing sometimes. And Alpha Alpha Oscar, Jabara here in the States, is uh, Anaco Airport in Venezuela under the IOTA code. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Alpha Alpha Oscar is an IOTA code for uh, Anaco, Venezuela. So uh, that's why we have databases that are all computerized now because it makes it so much easier to look up something and find out you're wrong.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you though, I want to uh, show. Here's a here's a really good one in that regard. I talked about this on the podcast before, but give me a second while I look up the exact an- examples here. Uh, Northampton. Um, hang on, I'll be with you in just a second.
2: Don't go away. Chat among yourselves.
1: Uh, uh, and
2: you know, we, we could also talk about in numbers. Yeah. Uh, in what way? India versus one, zero versus Austin. Oh,
1: yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And there's some, some old airplanes uh, out there that have a November Charlie registration. Oh, number. sure. November X, right? Well, that's and right, yeah. Some okay. of them have November X because they yeah. were experimental when they were registered. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, Well, Uh, maybe we should come back to that one in the future. But here's my last example. So I've got the the actual details here. So I mentioned a minute ago uh, Northampton Airfield in Northampton, New Hampshire, which is 7 Bravo 3. Now, in Massachusetts, which is obviously one state over from New Hampshire, um, there is also a Northampton, Massachusetts, and they have an airport. And Northampton, Massachusetts airport is 7 Bravo 2. (laughs) okay yeah not confusing no there's no no you know there's unlikely to get that messed up right you know so i don't know it's craziness i think but uh uh Maybe they'll hear this and decide they've got to sort it out, you know, because the FAA pays attention to what we do. And,
2: well, you maybe, know,
0: maybe one of our FAA listeners could key in and yeah, correct right. us on what, yeah. uh, anything so would, we step yeah. on. That would be good. Uh, either that or I'm expecting all kinds of examples of craziness from our listeners maybe. But, yeah, oh, Jim, go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, no, an airport I fly into a good bit is, is in Tifton, Georgia, the identifier for which is Tango Mike Alpha. and has been Tango Mike Alpha uh, as long as I can remember. Um Tango Mike Bravo is Tammy Amy in Florida. Okay. So <laughs> so one day I launch out of here for Tango <laughs> yeah. Mike Alpha and ATC's like yeah fly heading 120. Why would I want to fly heading for 120? <laughs> And he's like, "Well, that's direct Tamiami, so I'm not going to Tamiami." He, there's like ten seconds of silence. Clear direct, <laughs> clear direct destination.
0: You know. <laughs> ah, okay, they got it wrong. Not they you. got it wrong. Ah, good, okay. Yeah. I oh, like yeah. to hear that. That's a good, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's oh, good.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, and, and A and B aren't even close to one another on the QWERTY keyboard. Yeah, I know, right? Huh? Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah.
2: but so. the computer doesn't, you know, and 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 the controller's Tamiami, of course, because it's got all these A's in it. Yeah, so all right. you know, TMA. Makes perfect sense. Sure. And Tango Mike Bravo makes absolutely no sense for Tamiami. Well,
1: isn't
0: <laughs> what's the actual name of that airport? It's named after a guy, right?
2: I mean, uh, in t- in uh, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's Tift Myers Airport is the name of the airport. Oh well, T-M-A. that's T.M.A.
0: Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's bingo. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, all
2: right. In t- um, Tamiami, I don't know what it's called, but I, I'm guessing it doesn't have, start with a B. Uh, yeah.
0: Right. Anyways. All right. Well. Anyway. Speaking of getting it wrong on a regular basis, welcome
2: folks
0: <laughs> to uncontrolled airspace. Good segue. Good The segue. General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson coming to you from uh, the uh, the industrious banks of the Cochico River here in Dover, New Hampshire, and I'm talking to my two good friends in our virtual hangar. Uh, one of those voices out there is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's Jeb Burnside. Good morning, Jeb. Good
2: morning. Uh, how's it going up
0: there? Uh, it's going well. It's a beautiful fall day. It's been beautiful for for some time now. The the the, the bad summer heat and humidity seems to have broken, and we've moved <laughs> into fall. And uh, it's just it's just very very nice, yeah, you know. I, and the I kids sp- have gone back to school, so it's relatively quiet. That's yeah. a good thing too, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I spent
2: the weekend sweating
0: Dorian. So. Um, oh that's right yeah what yeah. that's kind of crazy for you it's gotten, huh it, yeah it, now you thankfully. dodged that that whatever you know exactly. um, to, for exactly. the most
2: part exactly um, now you know the flip side of which is um there's still parts of florida that took a beating and right now south carolina and north carolina are taking a huge beating they've got and, tornadoes and all yeah. kinds of nonsense going on up there and i just hope everybody's uh comes out of this okay yeah. And yeah. a few, few days talk, ago,
0: it was Vero Beach. Uh huh. Right. Well, and of course, a few days before that, it was Bahamas. Which Yeah, we Bahamas, are, they're
2: still trying to figure out what the that's, extent of the problem uh, is. Uh, and yeah, I don't uh, think it's going to come out really well either. Oh, uh, yeah. That, no, I don't think so. It's going to come out well. Got, at all. That they place
1: got, got scrubbed down to the foundation. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a bad, bad, it's bad uh, situation. Right, but Because uh, 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 um, Dorian sat there. Yeah. I mean just
0: sat there for like yeah. 36 hours. Uh-huh. It was pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. But um it you guys I know you guys were a little worried. I was actually chatting with some listeners who were saying is Jeb going to bug out? Is Jeb staying? You know this was back in the day when the uh, when the forecasts had a possible track going right across the top of your home. Exactly. Um and uh, everybody goes, oh, "Is Jed leaving?" And I said, well, "I don't know. I haven't really talked to him about it. But he's a smart guy, and he'll have it figured out, you know." And and somebody else said, "Well, it's getting really late. If he hasn't left now, he's not going to leave." And I said, "Well, you know, he's got an IFR ticket, and he knows how to use it." So, um, <laughs> it uh, you know, all, all of
2: which are great responses,
1: you know. But
0: well, uh, we
2: know the
1: door to his hangar will survive. Yeah, yes, that's yes. right yeah
0: everything else will be gone but that's that door right. will be there for yeah <laughs> that door is a serious hangar door
2: my the, door the, and cockroaches in, in a thousand years is gonna be the only thing that happens. Yeah, yeah, there planet. you
1: go there you go <laughs> well your archaeologists ar- will look at the mixture of motorcycle and airplane parts and go we don't really know what they did <laughs> here
2: <right>. yeah. <laughs> archaeologists will spend decades sorting through all of it. That, yeah
0: your hangar is a is a has a, is a multi-layered kind of thing no question about it uh well i'm glad the uh this Particularly, I mean, we feel yeah, badly for the people yeah. who did get hurt because a lot of people got hurt desperately. But, uh, but over here on the west coast of Florida, you guys uh, seem to have come through it. Did you, did, it must have rained and got windy, though, right?
2: There was one band from the storm that was that was identifiable on radar as a band from the storm that went over my house. Mm-hmm. Um, think about that, though, for a minute, because that was right after it. I think it was during or right after it started to move off from Grand Bahama. Right. That's 200 miles away.
0: Yeah, it yeah. a big storm. It's and apparently, it's only gotten bigger since it's, it's slowed down it, and it's it, become technically less severe, but it's gotten bigger. And it's gotten,
2: yeah. It, it was a big storm then, and it's yeah. gone through some iterations. It's gone through some changes, but it's still a, a massive storm. It's still a very powerful storm, um, and, you know— depends on how they use the sharpie it's, it, could, it could go <laughs> either way
0: yeah okay all right i got that i see what you did there uh my other good friend here in the virtual hangar is uh from the air capital of the world wichita kansas which has been
1: hurricane free at least recently and that's uh, dave higdon good morning david morning guys it's uh how, how you doing You're wichita hurricane free since 1792
2: <laughs> yeah and jack you can go stuff your nice fall weather okay <laughs> i just i just i don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah okay all right yeah <laughs> yep, yep, yep. yep but oh, uh we've
1: got got beautiful flying weather today half for most of the week uh a little bit on the toasty side uh uh we're, we've been in the 90s uh several days in a row we had a storm-free uh, Labor Day weekend. People got out, had some fun, saw a lot of flying going on, but visited a couple of airports, uh, watched from the sidelines, and uh, now back at the mines, pushing the rock up the hill in order to keep it from rolling back over me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh,
0: sounds good. Well, good to see you. Good to talk with you guys. So um, here's a Is little that bit it?
1: of a wrap. What's that? Are we done? You know, we're not done. Believe me,
0: we're not done. Um, all right. So here's a bit of UCAP trivia. Um, this is it. Okay. Uh, the other one wasn't, but this one is. All right. Let me explain. Okay. Let me explain. Back in the spring, we had a false alarm in this regard. All right. And I won't go into the details of the false alarm, but here's what is. I'm relatively sure that this one is not a false alarm. This one is real. Here we go. This is Episode UCap four eighty five. All right, four eighty five being the episode number, and I make little finger quotes because it's kind of a little bit of a slippery term, as you'll see. All right, um, because episode UCap four eighty five doesn't necessarily mean it's the four hundred eighty fifth episode. All right, um, we've been numbering, we've been naming the episodes this way since since the beginning of time. All right, um, and but. It's not the 485th episode for a couple of reasons. One is there have been a handful of numbers that we didn't use, all right, Um, for a variety of bizarre reasons. Um, The most notable being the infamous um, Ponca City episode um, that we recorded, and I allocated an episode number for, but then the audio ended up being unusable, and so we never published it, and I just retired that number. I didn't use the number. We skipped it, all right? So in that regard, it's not 485 episodes. The other oddity is that 485, um, there are a lot of episode numbers we've used that had more than one, I'm making finger quotes here, episode associated with it, all right? Um, the first example of this was way back when we did our first Sun and Fun episode, um, and we recorded an episode that was way long for our, our, what even then was our long format, um, and so we split it in two, and I kind of came up with the concept of calling those episodes A and B. So it was whatever it was, episode 25A and 25B, all right? So there's an episode that's got one number, but is sort of two episodes, all right? And then the more notable example of that over the years is when we started doing the dailies from Oshkosh and from Sun and Fun. We'd have as many as 10 daily episodes um, that all used the same episode number, um, and um, and but had Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta, et cetera, et cetera, all right? So- This is, 485 doesn't mean we've had 485 episodes. So you've got to dig a little deeper to find out how many audio files slash episodes have been posted in our feed over the years.
2: Let let me restate this for you. Yeah. Okay, let me me restate this. If I leave New York in a 172, headed (laughs) west, and Dave leaves St. Louis in a 182, headed east, and we succeed in missing each other somewhere over Ohio... What episode number is it?
1: Exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well okay. put, Jeff. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and the answer is this particular episode. Um, assuming we actually post it, which we probably will, but you never know. This particular episode is the six hundredth episode, which is to say, audio file that's Golf been posted dang, well, as right. part God, of I'll our start. stream. Yeah. All right, six hundred audio file slash episodes have been put into the UCAP. RSS feed over the 13 years now, 13 and and a little bit more.
2: And there are still some files that we will never put in circulation. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) They are are locked down.
0: Yep, yep. You've got, yeah. yeah, Yeah, right. I think you guys know this. I think you know this, that we record... We press record not so much today, but we press record some time before we actually start the podcast, and we sometimes leave it recording after we're finished. And there are conversations that happen there that are really only for the three of us, (laughs) and so far they've maintained continued to be just that. Um, Although there was one notable example where that didn't wasn't the case, and I had to go back and fix things and apologize, and oh my gosh, it was embarrassing. So, anyways, six hundred, yay, six
1: hundred. 600. 600 man wow. where where I store those roman candles
0: yeah really so and by the way so you know so we're coming up looming is episode 500 um, which we're still trying to decide exactly how we're going to celebrate all right but episode 500 is coming um and now i've i've def- basically confessed to the fact that it won't exactly be the 500 500 500th 500th episode um it it'll be episode number 500 and that's what we're going to celebrate in a couple months, few months. Spring ish. Ish. Anyways. Yay. Six hundred. There yay, we go. Six
2: hundred. Wow. That's oh yeah.
1: that's, UCAP uh, trivia one oh one. Yeah, I
0: know, huh? Well, so believe me mean, believe me, there are listeners a... who are pay attention to this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, David? Does this mean we get a bonus? Sure. Double,
2: well. You get double, yeah, exactly. exactly. Double. double the usual.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyways. A couple of follow-ups here. Um, so last episode, I talked about the uh, UCAP uh, meetup that we had. We had breakfast down at Nashua Airport. Um, And we got to talking about one or actually two of the attendees who came in together in a Trinidad from Syracuse, New York. And it was an IFR day. And we got to talking about, um, you know, their flight IFR and and flying IFR in general and whether it's reasonable to file IFR for, for, you know, something like going out for breakfast. Um, And I actually got an email from um, one of those two guys, Stefan. I I misspelled it here. It's not Stefab. It's Stefan. Stefan B. Um, He said, hi, Jack. uh, Just listened to UCAP 484. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, And by the way, David was asking whether or not they had filed IFR to, to... outbound yes we ha- indeed had to file ifr to hop over to norwood the ceiling was about 1500 feet and the whole flight was in actual dave is absolutely right that's what the rating is for exactly. and uh, he goes on a little bit more here but uh, you, thank, uh, we'll you, put thank a, you we'll put a put a uh, uh a link to this in the show notes and people can take a look but uh um uh, you know so thank you for stefan for both coming to the brunch and the meetup and also for for clarifying this for it. i appreciate that uh Let's see now. What's next here? Uh, that's that one. And then we got an email from um, a listener who we hear from off and on over the years. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, let's see now. What's his? His uh, uh, Brian C is his actual name, which he used in this email. But uh, he goes by the name Riga Runner. Um, and Riga Runner has been was a regular in the uh, in the uh, the Dear Departed UCap forums. Um, and uh, and we've heard about. Yeah. I want to say he actually did he write something for you, Jeb or maybe that's not what i maybe i'm thinking of somebody else anyways riga runner um is it's a voice we've, i don't remember is a
2: voice we've heard but I, I i certainly know brian and we've communicated
0: you do yeah, yeah. okay um so uh um uh, we heard from him he sent us an email he actually addressed it to you jeb uh-huh. but he copied all three of us and and uh, um i just kind of pull a couple of excerpts out of this email he says you i know made-
2: this just a little set to stay This goes back to i think last episode episode before i was commenting on uh um, what some people are describing as the unevenness of ADSB's uh, in N's traffic uh, TISB mm-hmm. service. Yeah. But go ahead.
0: Yeah. So uh, Riga Runner's uh, 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 experience here, he writes, is, I fly with ADSB out on a Garmin 345 transponder, and I watch the ADSB on my iPad with ForeFlight. He said, I'm in a 2004 Cirrus SR22 Generation 2. Uh, this is the one with two Garmin 430Ws um, and the Avidine PFD and MFD. He says, Actually, I find the ADS-D- ADSB traffic is more accurate and informative on four flight than it is in the traffic alerts on the Avidyne MFD. He says, on both long trips, such as to Oshkosh and to Missouri recently, we had excellent coverage of traffic, including being able to identify and track other planes that ATC was talking to. Um, I'm skipping a little bit here. Then he goes on to say, on the other hand, the XM weather on the Cirrus. Oh, so he said he liked it on flight better than on the, on the uh, other devices. Traffic. traffic. He says, on the other hand, the XM weather on the Cirrus is much superior to the ADS-B readout, um, giving a much more defined picture of storm cells, rainfall, et cetera. ADS-B weather, he writes, looks more like something Mm -hmm. from a child's coloring book, child's coloring book. So, uh. Again, I'll put the entire um, email in in the uh, in the links yeah. in the show notes. But
2: he, uh, he raises a good point here, which is um, for flight versus a different device, or let's put it another way, mixing devices. Um, whether it's uh, let's say you have two iPads in the cockpit, one's running ForeFlight, flight, run one's running Garmin Pilot, just to choose two examples, mm-hmm. uh, and or you have. Big ass MFD in the panel um, versus nothing, or, or uh, in my case, for example, the Lynx nine thousand uh, with its own screen transponder. Um, different devices are going to display this data differently. Period. End of sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And is it? And how do you do? You conflict those two?
2: <sighs> Judgment, experience. Yeah. Um, i guess you just have to caution which yeah. which do you want to believe or which do you not want to believe well um, you know the kind of i'm thing. not sure if i like
0: I, the phrase want to believe but i think you should over time yeah. decide which one is giving you the better data well
2: than, and, and um, first of all i also agree with his his comment about xm weather being better than adsb um it's been yeah. a while since I used XM Weather, but yeah, it, it basically is a better service, but it's something you pay for versus something that's free. Right. Um, what was the question I was going to try to answer?
1: Uh, oh. Different devices, um, different, different... Well, and he, he mentions the difference in uh, in what you get from the ADS-B readout for traffic mm-hmm. compared to the Goodrich Skywatch system that he has in. Uh, that he likes part of the ADS-B readout better because it gives him a tail number an actual altitude right. direction of flight and whether it's climbing or descending where his Skywatch only shows the uh, uh object and whether it's climbing or descending and uh as jeb said you you get different levels of service from yeah. different uh devices and relatively speaking uh, at different cost adsb in is free and uh Weaknesses notwithstanding, uh, the, the other services not only require a different piece of equipment, but you got to pay a subscription fee for it. That's all well and good if if you got the if you got the juice to do it and the devices to use it. Uh, I'd use both. Yeah. I mean, why not? They're there and they're both helpful in their own ways. And as a quick aside, Brian, that is a damn pretty service. It's a very
2: nice airplane.
0: Yeah, he included a picture of the airplane in question, and yeah, it is uh, uh, it is pretty. David, you didn't say the juice to goo it, did you? you said, I think you said the juice to do it. Okay. It was going to be a title. I don't know. Um, anyways. <laughs> okay. Never
2: mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Go ahead. I've had one occasion to, to fly an airplane that had uh, an active uh, traffic. Uh, I'd call it a TCAS-1. Uh, um, this is a, uh, a light, uh, light piston twin um, and had uh, ADS-B at the same time and uh, yeah there's a difference uh, in traffic um, for one ADS-B will pick up traffic that's further away uh, and then you can zoom in and zoom out on both devices of course but um, if you if you've set um, your uh, your ADSB device, EFB, whatever, uh, to do so, it'll pull in traffic from a, a, a long ways off, as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a TCAS-like device, uh, a self-contained device that right. uh, has a limited range. Let's put it that way.
0: Right, because TCAS I, doesn't TCAS still work by listening to uh, what Listen, transponder? Pings listening or for other,
2: other transponders, that's correct. Yeah,
0: which means it's going to be physically limited by. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah.
2: okay. and, and the, the other thing going on, too, is, is uh, ADS-B displays traffic differently depending on what the traffic is. Um, for example, if there's a, an aircraft near you that also has ADS-B, it will display that target, I believe, uh, directly. It won't depend on the uh, ground station to display that traffic. If there's a non-ADSB aircraft nearby, it may or may not show up on your, let's say it's a mode C aircraft, Um, it may or may not show up on your ADSB traffic. One of the determining factors is whether or not it's talking to ATC and is in the system. Mm -hmm. If it is, if it's radar identified, it will appear in your ADSB traffic feed. There's a lot of different things going on. Um, now since I started this question or raised this question in, in the last episode or whenever yeah. it was and in, in the magazine, um, uh, aviation safety, uh, I've been asking readers and, and listeners to, you know, send me, you know, send me some anecdotal evidence here. It's all anecdotal, right? Uh, it's probably not evidence. So, but send me your anecdotes about weird TISB behaviors. Mm-hmm. And this is a good data point from, from Brian. Uh, I got another, data point, I don't know, a week or so ago from a reader of the magazine. He, he sent me a screenshot showing um a bizjet that he had an eyeball on. Uh bizjet was maybe five thousand feet south of Albany, New York, doing a hundred I'm sorry, doing one thousand thirty three knots over the ground. Well there according, you go. according yeah. to Tisby. You know? So you know, more more research is necessary, let's put
0: it yeah. yeah. So um, I, this may even this next item related, um, may even fall into the category of trivia. But I, I got me to thinking. So, in the early days of this podcast, and for many years um, uh, into this podcast, we repeatedly talked about an FAA development program called NextGen. Um. And it it suddenly occurred to me that I hadn't heard references to next gen in some time, and uh, and so I dug into it. Um, and and here's, so here is my question: Is next is is all this ADSB, you know, adding adding ADSB to the cockpit and so forth and stuff? Is that the result of next gen, or, or how does this? What what became of next gen?
1: ADSB is one of the one of the what's the word I want here? One of the elements of next gen. Okay. And ADS-B was developed to give air traffic control a more accurate way to track aircraft. Right. Because if you remember from your pilot training, uh, radar has limitations. ADS-B has limitations. Radar's limitations are more along the lines of accuracy, and it changes as the target gets farther away from the radar antenna. So the... uh, and, and the transponders, the, the mode C part that gives us an altitude squawk, there's a 200 foot fudge factor built into that for the controllers to use. That's why the separation standards, altitude separation, are what they are. ADSB requires, it doesn't require WASP GPS. It requires a position source that meets the FAA standard, which WAS GPS happens to do. Uh, and it, Turns out to be the least expensive option for feeding accurate information to the controllers. And the way it works is, your ADS-B system, uh, as much as sixty times a minute, I'm sorry, as many as hundred times a minute, will broadcast a position report mm-hmm. based on that WASP GPS data. Right. It gives the controllers altitude airspeed, uh, ground speed, direction of flight, whether the traffic is climbing or descending. And it does that 100 times a minute where the radar sweep at its best in the terminal environment. is going to give them a sweep every second, right. one, a, one a second. Yeah. No. When the airplane's going really fast out in the uh, uh, regular airspace, it may only get a sweep every six seconds. Mm-hmm. So think of how far you can go when you're doing 200 knots, how much your position changes in six seconds. And then it's farther away from the antenna and the 200 foot fudge factor for the mode C. And you've got an accuracy problem that sure. created the separation sure. standards that we have now. ADSB gives them a much more accurate position report within a Within about sixty feet actually. That's right. a hundredth of a nautical mile.
0: I, I get that and, and, and that makes sense to me. My question is more along the lines of so there were there were a whole bunch of years where FAA, I guess it was, was getting a lot of promotional mileage out of the term next gen. I mean, I remember us talking about it and almost kind of snickering a little bit, you know, because we felt like it was, uh, you know, seriously. Yeah, we exactly. Snickered about that. Yeah, we About did. an FAA
2: program. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad, shocked. Shocked. I'm, glad
0: I'm not the only one who remember that. All right, so so we kind of like, you know, this is kind of a good idea, but it's, I don't know if I remember. I don't remember exactly. I think we were concerned about how long it was taking, and you know, and whether or not the feds had the ability to do such a thing. I mean, there were a lot of issues involved but 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 it seemed like faa was trying to get a lot of pr mileage out of the term next gen and and whatever this program was going to be and then it's just kind of like seems to have dropped off the radar if you will all right that's an interesting pun actually now that i think about it um just to give you one data point i went back and looked all right the last time the word next gen or the phrase or whatever you want to call it the word next gen has appeared in this list our our little our little story list for the podcast um, was was 2014? Was five years ago? All right, it was the last time we came across a story that referenced NextGen, um, and so I guess that was my question: Did NextGen as a program go away, or has it evolved into whatever this ADSB thing is becoming? Still or... has
2: its own pages on uh, the FAA website,
0: and is there any kind of current status report there that you're seeing? I mean, is it like? Uh...
1: You can find a, a status report on uh, ADSB compliance in the fleet. Yeah, that part can I can find a ki- status. You can find a status report on the uh, on the uh, ground system that ADSB depends on to relay yes the traffic information there are five elements to to next right gen. but i'm not worried about and the ADSB elements i want to know adsb is just one of them and i
0: want to know specifically about an faa program called next gen is that that's wrong? what i'm saying
1: the adsb is one of five elements okay. of next
0: gen i see
1: all right Okay. there's also uh data communications which they're in the process of uh, implementing and that's to reduce radio traffic and give better communication tool between the primarily airliner crew and, and some business jets and air traffic controllers. There's a network enabled weather system that's going to uh, uh, be part of it or is part of it. System wide information management. That's a part of it. And the, uh, uh, uh different voice switching system for the, uh, uh, national airspace system, uh, They're improving that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of this is designed to make air traffic control uh, tracking and surveillance more accurate, to increase the capacity in the airspace. Uh, With all this increased accuracy that you get with uh, uh, WASP GPS, they can theoretically – squeeze more airplanes into the same airspace with smaller separation standards than they use now because of radar's inherent inaccuracy. So mm-hmm. yeah. this is all part of next gen. It's all still in process. Uh, it ain't done yet. ADSB b will be uh, mandated starting January 1. Uh, the other parts are still uh, coming online. Okay. Jeb. final thoughts on this?
2: <sighs> Dave's absolutely right that Next gen and the various technologies that comprise it will allow air traffic control in the U.S. anyway to squeeze in, squeeze more aircraft into a given uh, block of airspace. But that's never really been a problem, right? That's what I was just about to say. It's that's not the problem. It's the, the problem is pavement. The problem, the problem right. is pavement. Yeah. And until we have more yeah. pavement, until and unless we have more pavement, we're still going to have um, congested airports. We're still going to have delays. Uh, we're still going to have weather, which creates a lot of delays, uh, and, and reroutes and, and things like that. So, um, all of, all of the above is fine and dandy and and swell and and non-fattening. Um, but that's not all the, the end all and be all to efficiency in the air transportation system. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We should move on here because just like, We've been talking for a long time.
2: Okay, so here's, yeah. here's the one I
0: want to talk about next, um, and that is that I had an adventure. Um, and, uh, I, you know, there's probably going to be more to talk about this in the future, but I just kind of want to... So long-time listeners know that um, it's been a while since I've flown. Uh, I've been flying, and it's embarrassing how long it's been, and I'm not going to go into the details of that because it's embarrassing. But it's been a while since I flew, um, and um, I've finally taken steps to change that. And, and that is that about two weeks ago, I began working on getting a flight review so that I can go flying again. Um, I, uh, I've now had two sessions with my CFI, uh, where I'm uh, getting checked out in a, a 172 SP, um, up at Sanford airport in Sanford, Maine. And, uh, um, we're just kind of slogging along with it here. Um, I, you know, it, it, it's it's almost become a thing the concept, the term "rusty pilot." All right, um, and and I am definitely a rusty pilot. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting to return to flight after a long off time like this. Um, and I'm sure I'm in a better situation than a lot of rusty pilots in that I've been very involved in aviation, even though I haven't actually been PIC in a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting experience to climb back in and to start working through checklists and actually operating aircraft. And I think I did okay. Um, it's going well. It's been two training sessions so far. Um, I was, I was kind of recklessly optimistic that I'd get signed off after the second session, but, but I didn't, and, and, and that was the right decision. I, I recognized that I wasn't quite ready. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that the third session, which is in, in, an, in a week, um, will do the trick uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to, to return to it. Some of it, you know, is like riding a bicycle comes right back to you. Um, other parts of it is a little bit more of a struggle. Um, I am trying to figure out exactly why it's been any sort of a struggle because it's interesting when I had an off a break from flying a bunch of years ago and returned to flight, I got my flight review in one flight. I, I went with an instructor, um, after almost as long an off time and, uh, and, and it just came back to me and he goes oh yeah you know how to fly you're fine and i think i got signed off in one flight um but this this time you know um it's going to take three probably
2: and uh, how do you like the sp
0: i don't know i mean i don't think i'm really exercising all of the features all of the aspects of the of the sp um
2: is this is this a glass panel G-1000? No, S- no, this steam. is
0: a, they have four SPs in the fleet here. Um, three of which are steam, um, basically steam. Um, and, uh, cause they've got fancy GPSs and fancy, um, autopilots, but they have one that's a full blown Garmin 1000 G1000 mm-hmm. airplane, which I'm going to fly eventually, but I've been obviously staying away from just because it's too much complexity for me as I'm trying to break back into it. Um, in many ways, it's the same as other 172s that I remember flying back in the day. Um, the you know the kind of novelty difference is there's no carburetor, so there's no carb oh, heat, right. and um, and the the engine start um, procedures slightly different, um, mm-hmm. and so it's different in that regard. Um, but otherwise, it seems like a, a 172. Um, and 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 for me the big difference so i have got a lot of time in 150s and 52s mm-hmm. um and that's sort of my well, memory that was,
2: that was kind of my question
0: yeah and and my 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 reaction to it this time is is in some ways similar to my reaction way back when when i first transitioned to a 172 and that is that from my perspective it's a big heavy airplane yeah um and uh, i i remember that my first rotation my we were first takeoff um 2 weeks ago um when we're rolling down the runway and we reach, you know, rotation speed and I pull back on the yoke and the yoke was really heavy, heavier than I expected it to be. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, I, and I actually look, you know, I didn't actually look at the time cause I was just trying to fly the airplane, but I had set, you know, um, um, elevator trim properly. And I confirmed that later on. Um, and I, and, you know, I've sort of added to my personal checklist to to trim it a little bit more nose up to get to take a little bit more of that weight off it. But it's just, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it was just, that's, it's a bigger, heavier airplane and it's just different, you know? Um, so that was a thing. Um, but once I got used to it, it's fine. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it lumbers around a little bit more than maybe I'm used to. And, uh, you know, it, it goes up and down slope more slowly than maybe I'm used to. Um, the the big thing I'm struggling with now is just trying to make my um, you know from downwind to base to final to touchdown more consistent. Um, I'm I'm a little bit all over the place in terms of height, usually too high, um, but uh, and a little bit of that is that the runway we're operating out of it on Sanford has a really long extended um, um, what do they call it? But uh, you know uh, overrun, uh, yeah, overrun displaced threshold kind of thing. And uh, I, I sorta of realized it during my second session um, working the pattern. And I in thinking about it after the fact, I think it's even bigger deal than I thought, and that is that when I'd turn final, I would I would evaluate the site picture, not taking full account of the fact that the beginning of the pavement was not the beginning of the runway, so to speak. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and that made me feel like I was in a different, you know, place on the glide path than I maybe actually was. Um, oh, that'd and, be accurate. Yeah. I mean, I you know, but the, but I, I really need to kind of be more aware of the fact that, you know, it's in some ways I almost need to edit out that displaced, you know, that, that overrun, pavement. All right. Um, when I'm kind of making that evaluation when I turn final, um, and that's,
1: well, it's only an overrun in one direction, yeah, it's but a place threshold in the other.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but so that was, you know, in retrospect, that might've been, con- you know, me- I don't want to messing me up. I don't want, I don't want to point, you know, make excuses here. I mean, I've got to figure out how to deal with this and I will figure out how to deal with it. But, um, you know, that was, that was a little bit of a thing. Um, I, and, and, and having said all this, I think my flying was safe. Um, I I don't think the instructor ever took over the airplane. He made many suggestions from time
2: to time <laughs> with increasing volume and pitch, but yeah, yeah. no, no, Well, like, you know, I mean, he's been
0: actually very encouraging. Um, you know, he, be honest with you, he keeps saying, he, uh, when we finished the second flight, he says, he says, you're doing just fine, Jack. He says, you just got to like, relax. <laughs> he, yeah. And he said, he'd say that to me a couple of times during the flight. He'd say, calm down, relax. All right. Um, and I, and I am, I don't know if the word stressed is exactly the right word, but you know, I mean, I'm just kind of like, there's a, a level of I don't know what the right word is, anxiousness or whatever. Stress is the Eh, right word. Stress is, you know, but it seems stronger than what I'm feeling. You know, know, I mean, I want to do well and I obviously want to be safe. and, And so it's, you know, and it's a little bit different airplane than I'm I my memory has, you know, recorded and so there's all these things going on, you know, and and uh, um plus you know, although it's just me and my instructor on another level I'm doing it in front of a lot of listeners and so I <laughs> kind of want to do it well. Um so it's an interesting experience and I'm, and I'm having fun with it um and, uh, and 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 looking forward to do more of it. Um we we did two sessions in in basically two weeks and we 're going to take a week off and then i 'll go back again. Part of the problem here is there 's a timing thing and and even if I got signed off i can 't fly yet because i don 't have a medical yet and i'm i'm working on getting all the basic med paperwork together. but the earliest I could get an appointment with my doctor was the end of September so uh, um, hopefully the end of September last week in september i 'll meet with my doctor and uh, we'll'll uh, we'll, uh, complete that part and hopefully i i 'm optimistic I expect that that will be taken care of no problem and uh and then i'll get signed off my instructor and uh and uh, go flying it's cool and uh, very cool well, long overdue but uh um you know and there's a lot of reasons why that is i've been thinking about that a little bit too just, but
2: just remember two things yeah lighten your grip on the yoke yes let the airplane fly itself it knows how to fly better than you know how to yep. fly
0: Yep. And it's I think true. I'm pretty good on the first one. I, 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 feel I'm, I'm kind of pleased with the fact that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm clutching the yoke and, uh, I keep it trimmed up pretty good. I think that's kind of comes, I don't know, naturally if that's the right word, but, uh, um, and, uh, in terms of keeping it trimmed up so that I could take my hands off the yoke, that's good. But I, you know, I, I, it's, there are aspects of it that are a little bit clumsy and, it, but it's gotten better. I mean, I've got almost three hours now and, it, and it's definitely improving cool. and, uh, cool. you know, we'll see how it goes, but. Soon, I think, soon. And uh, and then the world's my oyster. I can go anywhere. I've got a 172. You can, and I can, fly, to,
2: you can fly to Hidden River.
0: I could fly to Hidden River, all right? And then I need to figure out where to find an airplane that I could take to Hidden River. You can get a, one, you can get a 172. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, if I wanted to buy an airplane, oh, but that's a whole that, different kind of expense. A nother,
2: that's a whole other topic.
0: But, you know, the rental airplanes from Sanford are great airplanes, um, but the pricing is such that taking them away for multiple days kind of starts to become a thing. Yeah. So I need to figure out whether I want to join a club or or become a partner in something or I don't know what exactly. Cross that bridge a little bit later on. So so cool. There we go. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. So uh well, congratulate good me when you. I get signed off, but soon. Yeah, David? I said good for you. Yeah. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast you can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as $10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Big story in the news over the last uh, week. Uh, this, uh, I, I believe it's in Australia where uh, a student pilot on an early lesson, some say first, some say third, but early lesson, um, and the CFI became incapacitated, collapsed in flight. And the student managed to successfully land the airplane. Yeah. Um, what, what's I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't no, know what to make I, of this I, story. It's apparently not, true. I mean, I've mm-hmm. seen it reported many places. And uh, what do you
2: think? So easy to fly; even an untrained pilot can do it.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a Cessna ad from the nineteen sixties, yeah. right? No. Yeah. I, I was thinking he's such a great instructor. One lesson, and he can hand it off by passing out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Your airplane. Um, it's uh, yeah. So like, a different story, and, and it's possible
0: there's more than one instance here. We're, we're we're looking at multiple stories, and it's kind of hard to figure out. I get the feeling this is just one one yeah. story, different story, different tellings of the same story. Um, And in some of them, so apparently the first lesson part came from the um, controller, you know, so the student reports to the, is in radio contact apparently already, and reports that the CFI has collapsed and the controller says, you know, how many lessons have you had? And the the student apparently said, this is my first lesson, all right? Um, But then another telling of the story um, elaborated on it where the student actually was saying this is my first lesson in this this model airplane apparently he had two other lessons according to this uh, story had had two other lessons in a different airplane
1: all right um so it had never landed
0: yeah but he hadn't didn't have much if any experience landing it so as you know i mean i'm not trying to discount the accomplishment of this student no good, no, for, absolutely him. good, f- not. good for him you know yeah and the controller um, and the controllers who helped him, you know, for sure. Um, but yeah, first lesson, third lesson, still. All right, uh, it's uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, this is such a story that when I was flying with my with my CFI the other day, uh, he he walks up to me and he says, I, "I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he referenced this story." He said, "So you know, it's like, you know, so this, you know, you're, you're like you're the guy from Australia," he said, or something like that, you know. <laughs> and I go, I go, well, you're not oh, planning, no. on, you're not planning on, you know. And he says, no.
2: Right. There's a have the fish joke
0: in there somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, well, congratulations. That is not It's not an off-field landing of the week, but uh, on-field uh, landing of the week. On-field emergency landing, or whatever you want to characterize it. Yeah. So, uh, um, what's the student's name? We should say the student's name
1: we here. I just, I just hope he gets to log that time a solo flight.
2: Max <laughs> Sylvester, according to Avweb. Okay. I was going to ask. You know, how do you log that?
0: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, according
2: it started to, uh, out to be dual, then it wasn't kind of, then it kind of wasn't dual, but he got help from the controllers.
1: Well, there, did I there were two I... people in the airplane, but only one of them was cogent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, did I see a, a story a reference someplace that the Australian FAA like issued him some sort of honorary solo certificate or something I didn't, like, I didn't see that. I don't know if I... That's, that rings the bell here. Unless, I'm trying to see if this story makes any mef, re, mention of it. And this one. I'm looking at the BBC. I, I,
2: I never would have... How should I put... I, I've never flown in an Australia, and I only hear about Australian uh, CAA in Australia from Australians. I would... Based on my knowledge of CAA from those sources, I would be very surprised if CAA took that kind of a, a view of, of this episode. Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. I Surely this was a legal flight. I mean, because I, it,
2: it, it, declare it, 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 an emergency, was, the world's your oyster. So, yeah,
1: well, I wonder if he did that. But yeah, okay. Now, uh, when you're flying in Australia, yeah, uh-huh. do, do you solo from the right seat? <laughs> I see. That's uh, okay. I see what you're doing there,
0: J- David. That's that's. Uh, yeah. Do they do left pattern or right pattern as a default? That's what we want to know. Um, and, uh, <laughs> see, there's so many ways we could go with that. I think we're just going to move on to the next uh, the next story on the list.
2: Um, well, in the in the latest Mad Max movie, they were driving from the left seat in many vehicles.
0: Yeah. Uh, and that's the way we do it here in the U.S. Right. It's not the way they do it in Australia. No, where, where do we think Mad Max takes place? Do in Australia. Could...
2: In, in, in the, you know, the, the okay. uh, Road Warrior movie, he drove from the right seat. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's an interesting little... In Mad
2: Max, you don't think he drove from the right that's seat. That's an interesting yeah. little But in some of, or, some of the Mad Max mean... film, the later the latest one anyway, people were driving maybe both seats, depending on the vehicle, but yeah. certainly I, were driving from the left seats.
1: I think they did that because the uh, actress... Uh, uh, Shooting her from the right was a better shot.
0: Than you know, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have <laughs> that happened. Could yeah. That could be true. That could be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, there's a couple more items on the list. Which ones do we want to talk about? Uh, not the shout outs. We'll come to the shout outs. Uh, oh,
1: shout outs. Uh, I, uh, I got shout-outs. something I could contribute to this. Uh, uh, go ahead, David. Uh, not Manitoba, a shout out. The Manitoba story about the dual purpose thrush crop duster.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, so, what's
0: the story here? Um, Jeb, uh, the, 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 uh, Canada
2: i like something someone said, put it on the list. It's on the list. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, actually let me just open the link and see what it says here. And then David, you can tell me what you have to add to this here. Unique dual purpose Manitoba plane can dust crops fight and fight fires with ease. So apparently it's just a, it's a, it's an ag, it's an applicator plane, which by the way, dust crop dusting isn't right. Isn't the um, preferred term, but uh, ag applicator airplane that can easily be converted to drop water or fire retardant for, for, Forest fire purposes, David. What what do you what do you have to add to this? Sir?
1: Well, it, it's first off, it's an idea that's it, so simple, it's a wonder somebody didn't think of it sooner. Uh, because there are a lot of crop dusters out there that are capable of handling something other than the chemicals that they apply, but they don't get used that way. But uh, this was a new model, crush with a new model GE engine, uh, the H eighty turboprop engine, and six years ago. Uh, my boss at Airventure today sent me out to do some dual time in a two-seat version of this that Thrush was producing to help teach more crop dusters in more parts of the world uh, where they were sh- sh- where they were short of good aerial application. And it is a maneuverable little little bird. I mean, it can get in and out of tight spots where a uh, larger uh, aerial application airplane, like a water bomber. Mm-hmm. It's never going to get down that low or squeeze in that tight. Uh, yeah. So the advantages, it's it's quicker, it's nimbler, it's cheaper, it's more precise mm-hmm. because of how well you can control it uh, and the tight spots that it can get into. And the uh, thrush pilot that was flying in the back seat with me, he really made sure that I got the sense of just how tight a field it could right. be that you could get it in and out right. of. What
0: what are the what are the attributes of the airplane that make it better able to do those things? I mean, I think there's a lot there's a lot of piloting ability in there too. But oh yeah, how, how is the airplane of- different that that it
1: that it's better able to do this kind of stuff? Uh, lower speed, it can come in at lower speeds drop down below a tree line, go mm-hmm. across a field. How do they do that uh, with you a bigger not- wind
0: or with stall strips or how do they do that?
1: Oh, it's a combination of the airfoil and the engine, uh, the, the wing that they built around it, uh, and the, uh, turboprop engine, uh, it responds more quickly than a, uh, PT-6. Not a lot, but enough to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just the way they designed the airplane to, uh, get down into tight spots, uh, It's kind of like the difference between an arrow and a a tapered wing arrow and a a Cherokee. The Cherokee gets off on a shorter runway and has a lower stall speed with the Hershey bar wing than the uh, uh, later model Cherokees with the uh, tapered wing. Longer wing span and tapered wing. Uh, It's all in the design. Mm -hmm. But that H80 turboprop was GE's first development out of buying this uh, Czechoslovakian engine maker that uh, had been trying to penetrate the U.S. market but never really made inroads until GE bought it and put its metallurgy and aerodynamic expertise, in-engine aerodynamics expertise to work on, came up with a better version. They call it the H-80. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, those are interesting airplanes. And and combine that with the, um, the, the special skills of the pilots who fly them. That's pretty amazing, right? Invariably on my trip, my drives to, to, and from Oshkosh, I'll see one or more, um, you know, ag or applicator planes, um, operating as I drive through, you know, Illinois and Indiana okay. and Ohio. Um, it's pretty amazing because they fly those airplanes. It's, uh, well, I always
1: want to stop. I want to pull over on the interstate and just watch them for a while. You know? <laughs> well, and that link I sent is uh, connects you to the uh, Air Venture Today story that I did the day oh. after the flight. So okay. We'll put that in I the show I was shout-outs. surprised I was able to find it. Yeah.
0: I'm a little bit impri- surprised, too. What year is that?
1: 19, I'm sorry, 2013. Oh, not terribly long ago, but still, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was fun. It was a fun way to spend the morning.
0: I bet. I bet that must have been quite a ride, yeah. And uh, yeah,
1: because when uh, the the uh, pilot would coach me into, coach me through getting into a field, and he says, "Okay, don't pull up until I tell you." Well, by the time he told me, there's nothing in the windscreen but trees. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a little disconcerting, but advanced the throttle, haul back on the stick, and it just popped up over those trees and mm-hmm. didn't even get one i didn't even get a leaf in the landing gear <laughs> okay, if, if well. you're
2: in the midwest jack and you're watching yeah. a crop duster dust crops yeah. just make sure that it is in fact dusting crops okay, okay. why what, what, what do you think the there's a famous is. movie scene so that's funny oh. that plane's dusting crops where there ain't no crops Okay. See? Oh, yeah. Is this yeah. Burt Reynolds and, and – uh, no, uh it's
0: uh, – um, Which movie is this? C- this C- is C- Cary Grant. Carrie Grant. Grant. Oh, Carrie Grant. E- oh, north, yeah, yeah, yeah. By north, north by Northwest. North by Northwest. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. That's It's got to be careful
2: in the Midwest with the crop yeah, dust. Duck.
0: It could be. Yeah, you're right. It could be that. Sure. Particularly
1: in, if you're in the neighborhood of uh, Montana.
2: Yes. Uh South Montana, Dakota. I'm sorry, so South,
0: South, Dakota. South Dakota is South Dakota. where I think they were, because he ultimately ended up at, uh, well, he, at was, uh,
2: he was in Illinois, I think, because he ended up in Chicago.
0: Well, no, but the the, uh, the the big climax of that movie ends up at Mount Rushmore. Right. Which, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah.
2: yeah. OK. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. All right. Where are we here? Um, oh, we're really, really and, and running. And Cary Grant yet. does get the girl in the end. He
0: does oh, get the girl in the end. Duh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if only because he's a yeah, Cary Grant was cool. Uh, he was, you know, right. Um, and, uh, no,
1: no, it was James Stewart who was the pilot. Jimmy Stewart was the pilot, right? Not Cary Grant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Jimmy Stewart retired as a general from the, uh, well, Jimmy
2: Stewart was a B-17 uh, pilot over Europe in World War yeah, II. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's true. But he was okay.
1: Re- retired from the air force as a, uh, uh, a general in the air force reserve. Yeah. All he right. He continued to fly away after the war.
0: Any more of these pre-shout-outs that you want to... <laughs> yeah?
1: No? What?
0: What's so funny just, about that? i
2: have just... You, you're just part cracking the whip. That's all. That's
0: yeah. I, yeah. It's my job, man. Yeah. That's what I do yeah. here. Uh, when I when you can hear me, you know, that's the other problem. But uh, uh, what am I doing here? All right. Um, shout-outs. Shout-outs. What do you got? Um,
2: Anybody got a, a I I got, I got one real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and uh, this is to the... Um, on the Upwind... Flying Club, based in Tampa. Okay. I'd never heard of them before. Okay. Um, there was a story on, on uh, NPR I was listening to the other yesterday, actually.
0: Like at TPA? Like Hampton International?
2: It's uh, Tampa Executive Airport, which I didn't fire for, which eludes me right now. Um, but um, they made NPR's news. The Flying Club is organizing uh, some relief efforts to uh, the Bahamas. And apparently, they're flying um, loaded airplanes out of Tampa over to the Bahamas to drop supplies and coming yeah. back and, and training all. Yeah, and I, they had a very nice little spot on uh, on NPR on the radio. Um, they they did some good little PR there for general aviation, and and uh, that's how they get a shout out.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, that's great. Yeah. The situation over there is apparently so dire that they can't land to, to drop to, to deliver yeah, I these don't, things. I don't
2: know um, if they're actually engaging those operations now, or what airports they're using, or yeah. you know, if they're dropping them pre-positioning or, or what is going yeah. on. But I mean, my, I, know yeah, I saw my a story. understanding is the the whatever that big airport there on on Grand Bahama is, it's. Uh, it was underwater last time like we like gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: is like gone. But uh, good for them, um, and and all of the GA uh, operations that are doing yes. emergency uh, relief
1: stuff. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, shout outs, David. What do you got? I got. I'm I'm going to put two things into one shout out because they're both cases of bad ideas being <laughs> proposed. <laughs> okay. Jeff knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Representative Ed Case from Hawaii has introduced a bill that would basically eliminate commercial air tour operations using helicopters and small airplanes over yeah, the Hawaii I saw that. Yeah. and would further grant states and localities the uh uh legal ability to impose their own restrictions
0: right and that's it, the part it, yeah. in
1: in in complete uh conflict with the uh the uh FAA's uh, rule over the airspace so we got that going on in Hawaii and then we've got Amazon petitioning for exemption to violate airspace rules in order to conduct drone deliveries and it was you things really were think, supposed Dave. to be I thought yeah. these things were supposed to be integrated into the airspace with no concessions given to U.S. that would encumber manned aircraft in any way. E- e- EAAs respond to this. AOPAs responded to this. I'm responding to, to both of these ideas with not only no, but hell no. <laughs> okay. You don't get to do that. Hey, you, you, Amazon We don't provides- get to carve out special occasions and special uh, exceptions for states and cities and businesses. To operate in contrast and in conflict with FAA standing rules and its authority over the airspace, so go away, get over it, and go to hell. <laughs> oh, wow! Oh, wow. not that okay. I feel strongly about it. You, so
0: you don't? Okay. I was going to make a joke. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Do you have anything you want to add to that, or
2: you're going to stay away from it too? I have nothing. Let me just simply associate myself with the remarks of the gentleman from Kansas. Okay.
0: Um but you're going to leave it at that. Okay. I'm leave well at that. I mean I, I, I actually no, that's I, true. In in general I will also associate myself with those remarks. Um the the passion with which they're stated maybe not but uh, yeah no, that's, I, those are some crazy ideas. I feel ideas.
2: strongly about it also. It's just um I don't know enough about the Amazon thing um to really comment intelligently but I've seen numerous attempts over the years um, all of which were were basically unsuccessful to for state and local governments to regulate airspace. And it's just a really bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And my
0: shout out, um, I have a shout out, I want to shout out to the Voloc- Volocopter people. Um, so this is my, this is a uh, long time listeners know that this is one of my favorite of the, uh, um, the um, electric multicopter, human-carrying electric multicopter copter programs. Um, and we've seen been seeing pictures of it for years. I don't know if I've actually ever seen even a prototype like at Oshkosh. But uh, um, uh, this is one of the ones that I, I've always been attracted to. The Volocopter um, has uh, just recently, this is from a story, August 31st, um, that they have successfully performed their first flight um, of an air taxi at an international airport. This is in Helsinki, Helsinki. Um, integrated into both air traffic management and the unmanned aircraft system traffic management system. Um, so, uh, you know, long story short, they're making some progress and, and achieving some milestones in terms of, uh, of both flying this aircraft and having it fit into the system, um, a la David's comments previously. Uh, so, uh, so good deal. This is the one. I you know I want to fly one of these things eventually. i I have I have fantasies of, of you know of actually you know I, I have very little interest in flying a traditional helicopter, but these uh, human carrying electric multicopters are very appealing to me, and uh, I I would try to f- get checked out in you one know, of these if it was possible. I, I
2: think that when it comes to these uh, person carrying uh, uh, drones, I'll, I'll call them. Um I think women are going to be uh, much better at flying them than men. Are you getting us in trouble here? Go ahead. Why are you just think because this... men can never find the remote? Okay. All right. Bada well. boom. Bada boom. Bada boom.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, time for definitely time to stick a fork in it.
2: Hey, can I clear our room or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh thank you guys. It's always a blast uh, getting together and chatting with you. That was uh that was uh, um yeah, for his last appearance on the podcast. That was <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, Hi Jeb. Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of aviation safety magazine. Now, what have you been working on, Jeb? What's going on? I'm
2: basking. Uh just finished up the mag finished up the October issue of the magazine yesterday. Uh, and uh, waiting for it to hit the streets and uh, licking my wounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So, cool. Yeah. Where can
0: people find out about you and all this stuff on the Internet?
2: Aviationsafetymagazine.com um, is a great place to start for, for that work. Um, you'll find my uh, name on AvWeb. You'll find my name on generalaviationnews.com. Um, you'll find me on, of course, AEA.net. Um and on uh, a i n online dot com mm-hmm.
0: and on did you say Twitter? In Twitter oh, the
2: Twitter are... machine. Uh, Burnside J and the magazine is Av Safety Mag. There you go. There
0: you go. And Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's
1: Av Buyer magazine. David, what are you been working on? Well, uh, I was just looking at <laughs> what, what, what I what I worked on a, a few weeks ago uh-huh. that's just now getting in print. Uh, uh, avionics news: I've got uh, two pieces in the uh, current issue. One on standby batteries, and uh, another one uh, uh, looking at what the uh, AEA member companies announced and unveiled at uh, at Oshkosh this year. It's kind of a wrap up there. Uh, and I have Buyer, I've got something in the works there on engine uh, maintenance programs why they're valuable, why you should, uh, hang on to them if you got them. You can find me at net or avionicsnewsafbuyer.com. I'm uh, real Higdon on the, uh, Twitter link. And, uh, i just Google Dave Higdon and aviation and take potluck. Okay. Uh, And I'm
0: Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Um, uh, As I mentioned, I've been working on my flight review. That's kind of my big aviation project right now. Um, And uh, back during Oshkosh, I was experimenting with, uh, with some art original art, and I use the term original loosely, but um, that I was creating that uh, was getting some nice, uh, some positive responses, and I was kind of pleased with them, and I'm, I'm exploring different ways that I might uh, actually make those drawings available to people. Um, I've been putting them on the net, and you can certainly see them on my uh, on my Twitter uh, stream and on my Patreon stream, but uh, I'm toying with the idea of turning them into formal prints and, and, and maybe, I don't know what, greeting cards or mugs or shirts or something like that. Um, so that's a project I've been working on, and it's very aviation really a lot of aviation type um, illustrations Uh, and working on that um, i'm also uh, continuing to work on uh, trying to turn some of the old ucap archive stuff into a little bit more um, approachable form a little bit more accessible form and uh, uh, hopefully they'll have some good announcements about that in sometime in the future time will tell we'll see anyways um, you can find me online in most of the uh, usual places by the username Jack Hodgson, that's my first and last name bumped together, Uh, for example YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon um, you can find my eBooks by searching for the words around the field in the book section, Um, and you can sign up for my email newsletter by going to jackhodgson.com You can support this podcast by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar per episode. Uh, Reward level patrons get exclusive access to the ucap after show um and you can get more info about all of this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace um you can send us email at uh, podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com uh you can uh, check out the latest ucap news and all the ucap show notes uh at the ucap homepage, which is uncontrolled airspace.com and on twitter you can follow ucap at twitter.com slash class g airspace that's class with the letter g in the middle airspace um
1: And that's on uh, UCAP on Twitter. David, was there something else you were going to tell us? Uh, Let's all live long and prosper by going flying because
2: you've heard it before.
1: Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
2: And, Jack, I think it's admirable that uh, you just didn't whip out your Sharpie and pencil whip yourself a BFR. (laughs) Uh, No comment. (laughs)